This morning, if you have a Bible with you, I'd like you to take it in your hands and turn to Matthew chapter 12. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 12. Um, I love to hear people's stories. I love to, to find out how people came to faith in Jesus Christ. I, I love to, to, to find out the things that God has delivered people from. Just a few days ago, I had lunch with a, 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 a person who's new in the church, and, and I, I asked a question that I often do, and that is, tell me how you came to Christ. And there in that restaurant, my my brother, he's been my brother for a long time, but I'm just getting to know him. He told me about his story, and he broke down telling me of how he came to faith in, in Jesus Christ, what God delivered him from, what God is doing in his life for, for many years. And when I hear that, it just moves me. When we hear about other people's stories, when we hear about other people's miracles, Uh, or or the miracles that God has performed in their lives. When we hear about the things that he's delivered them from, I don't know about you, but it builds my faith. It builds my faith in Christ when I hear what Jesus has done in other people's lives. Matthew chapter 12 gives the record, a very, very brief record of a part of one man's story. There's a miracle here, but it's probably one of the most briefly recounted miracles in all of Jesus's earthly ministries in ministry recorded in the gospels. And and so uh, the beginning of verse 22 Matthew 12 says this. They brought Jesus a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. Just stop there for a moment. You read that again. It says, they brought Jesus, a demon-possessed man, who was blind and mute. So it's very brief, but in those, just in those few words, we learn a lot. First of all, it says here that people of the community, that's the they, right? You see that word there, they. The people of the community brought this man before Jesus. Now that means that people took the time and they set aside their own needs. They put in the effort to bring this man to Jesus. Uh, Just a few moments ago, you saw this video. And again, that last shot, if I can pull it to your memories, you saw those kids gathering around this very altar and responding and saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus all of my life. But before that, there were a lot of people that put in a lot of time, put in a lot of effort, set aside their own needs. All of that happened before the miracle of salvation happened. And this is what's happening here. They, the people of the community, put aside their own needs and brought this man to Jesus. Now, they, they probably did this because they had heard about Jesus, right? It wasn't that he just showed up and they randomly said, let's go see this person. I'm quite confident they had heard about him. About eight chapters earlier and some time earlier uh, in Matthew's gospel, it says that Jesus was healing every disease. This is sometime before, but then even then it says he was healing every disease and sickness among the people. 
It talks about how news about him spread over Syria, that's to the far north, uh, and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those who were suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those who had seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds, a lot of people from and this, it talks about regions now, Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, that's a city, Judea, that's a region, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So what this, this text, some, some chapters before the text that we're looking at, the, the story that we're looking at this morning, sometime before these things were happening and people were hearing about Jesus. They were hearing about his miraculous power, what he, what he was delivering people from, what he was healing them from. And, and, and so everyone was coming to him. Well, he continued. If it was like that eight chapters before, think of what was happening even now eight chapters later and some time later. Jesus was continuing to do these things and word about him eventually came to this community. That's why, that's why I believe these people brought this man to Jesus. That's why they put aside their own schedule and said, this healer that we've heard about, this, this healer, this deliverer has come to our community, so let's do what we can to get them to him. And so there's this combination of Jesus' power to heal and their faith in him to heal. Let me say that again. It's very important. You have a combination here of they, the people, who, who heard about Jesus, and you have Jesus' power to heal, or deliver in this case, but also people's faith in Him to heal and deliver. Let me be very clear on this. We serve a God who has unlimited power. He has the power to heal. He has the power to deliver. But it also needs to be mixed with our faith in Him to come to Him, to put in the effort to Him, and trust in Him so that He will bring that power to us. There is this very, and I'm going to say this, unequal combination. Unequal because it's like a very small percentage of what I do and it's almost entirely what he does, but it's the combination of the two that we see a miracle. You have people bringing this man to Jesus, and Jesus, you'll see here in a little bit, delivering him and healing him, but it's because people first trusted in him. Now, how does that relate to us? You may believe that God has the power to do so, but you may not experience it if you don't Put some action to your faith. You, you, need to, you need to step forward and say, would you pray for me? Or you need to go to that person and pray for them. Or you need to bring that need to the Lord and, and speak it out and, and, and step out in faith. Look through the New Testament and you will find that on almost every occasion you see this very unequal combination of God's power but man's obedience in faith to access that power. So you need a miracle, glory to God. We serve a miracle working God, but we need to step out in faith and pray for that and believe for it and even do things that are very, very difficult to see that miracle happen. So Jesus was doing this. They brought this person, 
They brought this person to, it says they brought, they physically brought him or led him, this person who was possessed by demon spirits. It says that here in this, in this verse, in the first part of this verse. That means that demonic spirits lived in him and controlled him. We don't know the backstory on this. We don't know how that happened. We don't know what compromises were made uh, that, that, that demon spirits actually came in and began to possess him and control him. But that kind of thing happened and it still happens today. It still happens today. Demon possession was and still is a thing. You know, demon possession didn't stop in the first century. The demons didn't say, well, obviously uh, Jesus is on the scene now. His Holy Spirit is here. And so we're just going to go to a far corner of the world and, and not operate. There are people in our community, there are perhaps people that you know who are demon possessed. And it's going to look very, very different with some people. Uh, some, some will, uh, in, the, in the New Testament, you have some people that, were, that appeared very rational and would do certain things. There are other people that were very irrational, but I tell you, I tell you as a fact that demon possession is still a thing today, and it can only be delivered by the power of Jesus Christ. There are things that happen. Now, not, not everything is, is of demons. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. In this, this man's case, his demon possession resulted in the fact that he was blind and mute. He couldn't see or he couldn't speak. Now, again, on other occasions, persons who were demon-possessed, they could see and they could even speak fine, but that manifestation was different in their case. But here, this man was blind. He could not see because of the demon, demons within him, and he could not speak. Let me just pull back from this text for a moment. Um, Last week we had a missionary here. He he preached about another blind man. Uh, the missionary last week didn't know that that Pastor Ben the week before that had preached from the same very same text. Uh, some of you maybe picked up on that. It was the same text two Sundays. Pastor Ben didn't know what what John Dolliger was going to share. John didn't know what Ben had shared. But they brought, it was a different message. But it was the same text. On that occasion, or in that story, that was also included a blind man who was healed, a different blind man. But no place in that story is it recorded that his blindness was the result of demon possession. And I point that out because I want you to understand that not every physical malady, every sickness, every disease is from demon possession. Let me be very, very clear on that. Not all blindness or, or speech problems or physical or mental illnesses are from demonic possession. Uh, this last week, I think it was on Thursday night, there's a lot of smoke in the air from the Canadian wildfires. And I went home and I was so congested. I was really sensitive to that. And, and, and I, I, I was kind of plugged up. And I woke up the next morning and I couldn't hear anything out of this year. And I could only hear about 30% out of this year. I, I, I almost couldn't even function on Friday morning. I didn't have a demon in my ear. I had Canadian smoke in my, in my head. 
All right, I just, that's an example. So don't look at every person and say, oh, obviously you have a demon. That's not the case. But let me also be very, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you cannot be demon possessed. Some people say, oh, no, no. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have surrendered your life to him, his Holy Spirit dwells within you. And there's no demon that is going to dwell where the Spirit of God is. But all of that said, but some illnesses we see here, some illnesses can be caused by demonic possession. It can be manifest that way. That can still happen. And this was the case here. Sometimes illness can be caused by demons as this one was. Well, this man had two physical limitations. Satan and his demons, we see here, had blinded him. He was unable to see, and they had silenced him. He was unable to speak. What a, what a terrible place this, this man was in. He wasn't cutting himself. He wasn't tearing his clothes off like another demon-possessed man. But he was so bound. He couldn't see, and he couldn't speak. You know, I've, I've read this story many times. I've, I've read through this gospel, all the gospels, many, many, many times. Um, but it wasn't until just a few mo- a months ago that I was studying this that I realized how the enemy of our souls still wants people blind and silent. Think about that. The enemy of our souls, Satan, he still wants people blind and silent. Satan does not want people to see or to see things clearly. Let's talk about blindness for a moment. And, and I don't necessarily mean literal blindness, but figurative blindness. The enemy does not want people to see certain things, and he does not want them to see clearly. Throughout the Bible, when people rejected God, or they rejected His plan... The place that they're in is often referred to as a place of spiritual darkness. If you reject God's plan, if you reject God, if you say, I'm going to do my own thing, then you place yourself in a spiritually darkened place. Proverbs chapter 2 speaks of people who choose to walk down spiritually, quote, dark paths. You know, there are people who know the right way to go, but they choose to go the different way. And in doing so, the Bible says, we choose a dark path. Interesting statement. In, in, uh, in Psalm 82, it refers to people who wander about in darkness. Not literal necessarily, but figurative, spiritual darkness. People who wander about in darkness. And I think of how many people are there? Maybe some listening today. But how many people do you know who are right now in absolute spiritual darkness? They're in such a dark place, they don't even know that there is light. Can you imagine a person who would be like born in a cave? Or a person in some really 
horrible situation, was born and placed immediately into a darkened room. No lights, no windows, no, no light coming in from any place. They could live their entire lives thinking that all they can experience can only be done through the other senses, but never through sight. I suppose that has happened in some occasions, and I'm not talking just about those who are physically blind, but those who are in darkness and they don't even know they're in darkness. They don't even know that there is such a thing as light. And how do you describe light to someone who's never seen light? How many people do you know who are in a spiritually darkened place and they don't even know that there is a light? How many people? How many people? What was it again in Psalm 82? People who are wandering about in darkness. How many people that you encounter, they don't even know that there's a way out of the dark room. They don't even know what light is. They've maybe heard people talk about it, but how can you experience it if you've never experienced it? How can you experience it if you've never seen it? How many people right now are spiritually blinded? They can't see things because they don't even know that there's light. To me, I think of that, and it's one of the most tragic, horrible things that I can comprehend. People that don't even know there's a way out of that dark, dark place. The enemy wants to keep people spiritually blinded. The enemy of our souls wants to keep people spiritually blinded. Have you ever talked with someone and you're saying, why can't you see this? They can't see it because there's no light in the room. Some of you get frustrated with people because they're just not seeing it. You, they're, they're not understanding. They're, they're not seeing things the way that you do. Well, they can't see it if they're in a darkened place. That's why, we, that's why we, the, the message of Jesus Christ is so important. Because it not only changes our world and our hearts, but it opens our eyes and we see things for what they really are. You can try and convince people to do one thing, that this is the way to live, but unless the light comes on, they're going to be in darkness. Satan also wants people silenced or to remain silent. Remember, the man was both blind and mute. Satan still today wants people silenced or to remain silent on things that really matter. There are certain things that the enemy does not want people to say or to declare. Think about this for a moment. A few minutes ago, we uh, finished a, a time of worship and praise. And when we do that, we declare the things of God. When we sing praises to Him, we speak truth, we declare things, that really irritates the enemy. That is why, by the way, that is why a person who is troubled in their spirit is troubled when the praises of God begin to raise up 
because the Spirit of God is moving and they don't want to hear those things that are being declared. Listen, what we finished a few minutes ago is not a song service. It was a time of praise where we declare the things of God. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't like that song. It's not my favorite song. It's not my style. Well, you, if you, then you're going to be in that place. But I'll tell you what, start declaring the things of God and God will not only do something in your voice, He will do something in your life. Hear me on this. Satan wants people silenced or to remain silent on things that really matter. Listen to this. It's in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Peter said this about Jesus. He said, salvation exists in no one else. What a declaration. Salvation exists in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That is such a clear declaration. Again, it says salvation exists in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Peter declared, prompted by the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, I know he was, prompted by the Holy Spirit, he was declaring that salvation is possible. The forgiveness of sins, eternal life, all of it is only possible through the person of Jesus Christ. That is a declaration of truth that the enemy does not want people to declare. But the enemy, hear me on this. You see this statement before you. The enemy of our souls does not want people making that declaration. He does not want that message going forth through us. The enemy of our souls wants to silence us from communicating this clear and simple message of salvation through Jesus alone. How can that happen? I'll be careful with this statement. It may appear political. It's not. But I wonder how much of what has happened in the last 18 months when throughout our nation and really around the world, it's not just here. That's why it's not political. It's around the world. How many places, how many churches said that you, you can't declare this. You can't gather. How much of that did the enemy take advantage of, of a situation to silence people so that that message of salvation through Jesus Christ is somehow squelched? Because the message of Jesus Christ is powerful. And the enemy does not, he wants us to be silent on this. How many Christians, let me, let me address the believers how many Christians fail to communicate this life-saving message and they don't say it with confidence because maybe there's some unconfessed sin in their own lives and they think, I can't tell other people about Jesus when I'm not serving Him myself. Well, glory to God, we serve a God who forgives and restores, so give it to Him and then stand in faith and declare this message. But don't let unconfessed sin stop you 
Confess it to him. Stand in righteousness and declare this message of Jesus Christ. Satan does not want you to, but we are called to give this message out. How about insecurities? How how many people surrender to their insecurities and say, well, I can't tell other people about Jesus. Or I'm shy or, or it bothers me to do this. Don't like to be around people. And out of insecurities, they fail to communicate. They're silent. They're silenced by their insecurities. The enemy delights in that. <clears throat> How many people fear what people will say or what people will do? And because of that, they're silenced. This, this guy here in, in Matthew chapter 12 is not just some random person that the enemy just says, ah, we'll give him something. Well, let's, let's make this one uh, uh, mute and blind. There's a greater message here, and that is the enemy still wants people to be spiritually blinded and silenced. The enemy will try to intimidate followers of Christ into silence so they won't call out the things that God's Word says are wrong or destructive or sinful. Let me say that again. The enemy will try to intimidate followers of Jesus Christ into silence so that they will not call out the things that God's Word says are wrong or destructive or sinful. How often today in our society, today, how often out of fear of being called judgmental or narrow-minded have God's people stood down and stayed quiet about a year and a half ago we started uh, sending our services uh, online a lot of you followed us with that and we were excited, you know, I mean, it's great, we spent a lot of money, thank you, a lot of you just helped make that all possible, and, and some of you are, are, uh, there are, there are people that are engaging with us right now that we did not, uh, that we did not know before. Some of you are attending here right now, and the first engagement that you had was on that online presence, but it occurred to me about two or three weeks in, I was preparing a message, and I thought, you know, I'm going to say this, and I, I, I'm going to say this on a Sunday morning. And uh, I can control it here, but there are going to be people watching that can take that and misuse it or cut it and edit it, not take the whole thing. And, and they, could, they could come and they could do damage to me because of something that I say here that goes out there. And because it's on YouTube, then they can dial it. And you can go back 18 months and find any message. And I thought, I thought, I don't know if I dare say this now on a Sunday morning because it's not just here in the room and, and uh, it's recorded, but we can destroy that CD or that, that recording. Uh, we can do that. But now it's out there and we can't control it. And I was tempted, maybe I shouldn't say that. I might be misunderstood. Somebody may get angry and come and do something. I faced that temptation. But then I realized, wait a minute, this is a message of Jesus Christ. This is the message of the gospel. And, and, and if he says it's wrong, then we are called to speak out against it. And we must not stand down and we must not stay quiet. I share this because this is my example, but there are going to be times with you as well. You say, oh, I can't do that. I might get in trouble with 
with the authorities, or I may get trouble with my boss, or I, some people may unfriend me, or some people may reject me because I speak up. But if we don't speak up, there are going to be people that remain in spiritual darkness who remain in spiritual silence. My friends were called. So the enemy silenced people then. He still tries to silence people today. Again, this story in Matthew 12 gives just essential information. No elaboration. But the end of Matthew chapter 12, verse 22, simply says this. It's very brief. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. <laughs> That's it. I mean, this is like the whole miracle, this part of the man's story, is all within this one verse, verse 22. But it says here at the end of that verse, Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. Satan had made the man blind and mute. Jesus healed him so he could talk and see. That's the verse. Satan had made him blind and mute. Jesus healed him so that he could talk and see. I love it. Darkness to light, silence to speaking. In the matter of a short time. Here's the thing I want to know more. I look at this one verse, this very, very brief miracle, and I want to know more. I want to know things like, did Jesus say something to the man? He may have, it just that's not recorded. Did he say, you know, come out of him or be healed or be free or start talking? You know, what, what, it doesn't record if he said anything. Uh, did Jesus uh, lay his hands on him? He may have, but it doesn't say that. No specifics are given. Did Jesus tell the disciples, guys, this is, this is a difficult one. You need to start praying right now. It doesn't say that. Now, he may have, but it doesn't say that. It just says, and Jesus healed him. <laughs> Maybe it's not recorded to show us how God can heal in multiple ways and that he's not bound to one methodology. You look through the Gospels. Sometimes Jesus uh, laid hands on people. Sometimes he simply spoke to them. Sometimes at some distance, he wasn't even near the person, and he spoke healing to someone who was some distance away. On one occasion, he stuck his fingers in people's ears. On another one, uh, he touched his tongue to, to there. He, uh, touched his tongue with his finger, and then he touched theirs. I've said this before. I said, you know, I've been praying for people a long time. I don't remember the last time I stuck my fingers in someone else's ears. I promise you if it happens, both of us will remember it. <laughs> God, he can heal in a multiple uh, variety of ways. Maybe it's not recorded because it just reminds us that God can heal. It's, it's His power and He can do it the way that He wants. Sometimes we think, oh, no, it's got to be... The, the, it's got to be the right word. It's got to be the right person in the right place at the right time. I want it this way. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to, you know. Well, God may go, tell you to go wash in a pool. He may put mud in your eyes. I don't know. Uh, there are a lot of different ways, but it's not recorded how, how this person was specifically healed. But I still want to know more. It says the man, think about this. Use your imagination that God gave you. Uh, it says the man could talk, but what did he say? Well, if you've been unable to speak for a long time, uh, and suddenly you had the ability to speak, what would you say? The rest of this man's story is not recorded. This is all there is. 
But I'm confident that for the rest of his life, he used his voice to tell others about the Savior who set him free. Let me say that again. For the rest of his life, he used the voice that God gave him to tell other people about the Savior who set him free. See, that's what we do. He, he saves us not so that he can put us on a shelf. He saves us so that we can declare to others what he did for me. And when the man could see, when the man could suddenly see, however Jesus healed him, when he could suddenly see, what was the first thing he saw? I'd like to think it was Jesus' face. Not a bad thing to see for the first time. He saw Jesus' face. The man's story, one verse. The man's story is short on details. It follows how people responded to this healing. That's stuff for another time. But the man's story, his own part of it, is very brief. But I don't want you to miss the very, very clear message. A Satan-controlled person who could neither see nor speak came to Jesus. Jesus healed him so that he could both see and speak. A Satan-controlled person who could neither see nor speak came to Jesus. Jesus healed him so that he could both see and speak. Glory to God. This is what Jesus does. He takes us when we are in absolute bondage of one kind or another. You know, some of you think, some of you have thought, maybe you're listening online and you're thinking, I am such a mess. I don't see how God could ever fix me. This person was a mess. He was in absolute bondage. But somebody brought him. And in faith believing, they said, can you do something about our friend? I don't even know if they knew that the cause was demon possession. But Jesus healed him so that he could both see and speak. Still happens. On Wednesday, I mentioned earlier, about 80 kids said they wanted to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. One of the one of the adult workers, we were trying to record their names, and finally this brother said, I finally gave up trying to figure out who was. I just determined who wasn't because most of the kids went up. Now, that's how he determined who gave their hearts to Jesus. But 80 kids from a lot of different backgrounds, some of them very, very difficult, some of them, it's, it's not a harsh statement, but just speaking in reality, some of those kids were coming from very, very darkened homes. But for the first time in their young lives, suddenly they're seeing light that they never saw before. And they're going to see things different. As they continue to follow Jesus, they're going to see things different than had they never met Him. Why? Because the light has come on. What happened in Matthew chapter 12 still happens. 
people still who are living in darkness come into a, an amazing light. Glory to God. On Thursday, I saw a young woman who just a few years ago was living in darkness. But she met Jesus. And now she's bringing the light of Jesus to others. A person who was in darkness came into the light and is now taking the light to those who are still in darkness. This is what he does. He still sets people free. He still changes lives. On Friday, I mentioned earlier, I had lunch with a man who was set free 52 years ago. And he's still telling people about Jesus today. This is what Jesus does. This morning, I don't want to talk just about going from darkness to light. I want to give you an opportunity. Because there are some here or some listening Maybe you've tuned in today or you're here today because, because you had a kid at mega sports camp and you want to hear more. Well, I want you to know that we serve a God who can take you from where you are to where He wants you to be. If, like these people that brought this man, if you say, I give myself to you. He doesn't force himself. He never will. But the Bible says on multiple occasions, if we draw close to God, He will draw close to us. And I want you to draw close to Jesus today. I'd like you to bow your heads, everyone around the room, if you would, please. Even those who are online, if you would just bow your, your heads. And if you're here in the room, I would like you to... Uh, I would like you to do that. If, you, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never experienced that, or, or you feel like you're in a darkened place and, and you really need some light, you, you, you need a way out, and, and now you realize maybe there's more than, than this. If you're in a darkened place, maybe it's a path you've chosen to go down, or, or maybe you've just wandered about in a dark room and never knew that there was a light. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. Um, I, I want to lead you into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. I promise you that when you do that, your eyes will be opened and you will see things differently. So, would you do this? If that's you here in the room, would you right now, don't worry about whatever, what someone else is thinking. It's not about them. This is about you. Don't you worry about what it, someone does. That's fear of man. Don't give in to that. But if that's you this morning and you want to say, I want to go from a dark place to, to the light of, of, of Jesus Christ and I really, I, I really want to begin that today. If that's you and you're here in the room, I want you to just lift up your hands and lift up your eyes, open your eyes and look at me and I want to just make contact with you. Is there anyone here? In back, thank you. Thank you. Someone else. Is there anyone else here? very, very in, in back, in the balcony. Thank you. Is there someone else here in the middle? Thank you. 
right up front here. Thank you. Someone else. It's very important. Because what you just did is you, in a demonstration of faith, saying, I can't fix myself, but I'm going to do it. As, a, as an, a demonstration of faith, I'm, I'm believing with an upraised hand that Jesus can save me. You can, you can put your hands down now, and I want to pray with you. In fact, those of you that are online, I can't, of course, see your hands, and you probably didn't raise them, but I want you to pray this with us as well. In, in fact, can, can, we, can we just do this? Let's, can we pray this prayer together, even if you prayed it a long time ago? And, and in declaring this and believing it, right? It's not, just, it's not just saying it. It's not an incantation. This is a statement of faith. If you believe this, then God is going to bring you from that darkened place to a lightened place. You're going to begin a relationship with Him that will absolutely, with amazing light, transform your life for the rest of your life and for all of eternity. So would you out loud, just very simply, if you agree with this, let's pray this together. Even if you prayed this a long time ago, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, today I come to you. There's darkness in my life, but I want to come into your light. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And that you rose from the dead for me. Come into my heart and forgive my sins. I surrender my life to you. Help me to live for you. To walk in your light. And to declare your truths to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer here in the room, someplace else, then Jesus has just begun a powerful work in your life. And I promise you that that decision that you just made, that declaration of surrender and acceptance of Him, 80 kids did that a few days ago. Their lives have already been experiencing change and so are you beginning today. Glory to God. You raised your hand as a statement of faith. And now I want to pray for the rest of you. God, having saved us today or a long time ago, He also gives us His message. And I want to pray for every person here. This morning, if you can, I'd like you to stand and, uh, and I, I want to pray with you. In a few moments, these altars are open. And maybe we've been talking about the miraculous this morning. And, uh, and uh, maybe you just want to come at the close of this service. These altars will be open. And, and you need to come and say, Lord, I, I know this. I've seen again. I've been reminded again from your word. The power of, of, uh, of Jesus working miracles. And I need a miracle. So I want you to know that you can come. You can kneel at these altars. You can there'll be people here for a long time yet today. You can just spend as much time as you'd like praying here. Let's do that. And please, those of you near the front, let's let's just respect those who come and pray this morning. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray for everyone else here today. Uh, followers of Jesus Christ, others who are engaging us in other means. 
let's, I want to pray for you as well, that we will take the message, our, our lives have been transformed, that he'll loosen our tongues, that we will, that we will tell others. You're no longer mute, right? Jesus saved you. You don't need to be silent. We have the only message. You know, there's a lot of stupid, a lot of stupid things being said right now around our world. There's a lot of people that are very adamant about a lot of things. But let me tell you, there's only one message that's important, and that is there's no other name under heaven by which people can be saved other than the name of Jesus. So I want to pray for you, the rest of you here this morning, that God will bring us from our silence and, and uh, that we will no longer be silent. That this message is too important. Too many other people need to hear it. And uh, we pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters here in this room and elsewhere. I pray for them. I pray for myself, Lord, that, that there will be even people that I... This is a dangerous prayer, Lord, but I pray for us that there will be people that we encounter this week and We'll be tempted to stay silent, but even in that occasion, it, it may be the most unusual place, but I pray that when we encounter that person who is right now in spiritual darkness, and they, they don't even, may, in some cases, they may not even know it, but Lord, when we encounter them, may we not be silent. You saved us. You set us free. Not so that we could continue in silence, but so that we could tell others of the life-changing eternity changing life transforming message of Jesus Christ it's really the only message that we have Lord the only message that, uh, that, that has eternal consequences Lord use our voices our, our deeds certainly but our voices as well to tell other people to lead other people to you so that they too can be changed and then lead others to you. This is how we'll do it, Lord. Ultimately, this is how we're going to change society. Societies come and go. But the real effect of change in our world is going to happen as lives are transformed. So use us, Lord. We pray this and we thank you. Your blessing upon us as we make our way from this place eventually. May you protect us, use us, uh, empower us, uh, may, 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 you, may you continue to work miracles not only in us, but through us as we pray for others in the coming week. Help us, Lord, to love you more, to love others more, and to share you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this morning. These altars are open, uh, and, and uh, if you want to spend some time with the Lord, God bless you today.